This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is The Property Show and I'm Mark Tan. Do you ever feel sad when you see tired, old-looking, dilapidated buildings in prime locations, which have seen better days but are now totally neglected? And do you wonder why no one does anything about it? Minister of Local Government Development Nga Kong Ming said in Kuala Lumpur alone, there are 139 aged and poorly maintained properties that require redevelopment. And his ministry is pushing for the enactment of a new law, the draft of which will be tabled soon to speed up the redevelopment of old properties for urban renewal. Today, we speak with Al Fong Yi, Editor Emeritus, The Age. Good morning, Fong Yi. Good morning, Mark. Now, under the current law, a redevelopment plan will have to get 100% consent from the existing owners of the identified projects, which I suppose on a practical basis will be close to impossible. So will Malaysia look to its neighbours like Singapore or any other country to draft a new law where the consent need not be 100% for submission of a development application? Mark, I, I think, you know, we have to look at the individually owned building that are in, uh, in dire straits in, in terms of upkeep, right? Uh, that's where the problem is because when we talk about strata property, yeah, uh, meaning a building that uh, has multiple owners, that's where the problem is because as the law now stands, you need 100% consent from them before we can move on. So what Nga Kong Ming said is actually very refreshing, but let's wait and see how that pans out. If we were to look at Singapore, how does Singapore manage the situation looking at our southern neighbour? Very simple, because they don't demand for 100% before uh, the building can be put up for redevelopment. I'm not sure uh, about the latest figures, but uh, it would vary in line with the age of the building. For instance, uh, if a building is less than 10 years old, then, you know, the percentage of consent will be higher versus that maybe like 20 or 30 years old. Now, in your opinion, how soon do you expect the new draft law to be tabled for review? And besides this draft law, will it also impact the Strata Management Act? Oh, uh, definitely. How soon do we expect it? Uh, to answer that, maybe, you know, we should reflect on the pending amendments to the Strata Management Act 2013. You know, the amendments to that act was first discussed and the engagement with the stakeholders were carried out way back to, what, like 2016, 2017. And until today, you know, we have not heard anything about that. So we are talking about amendments to perhaps Strata Title Act that will facilitate the redevelopment of Strata-owned properties. Uh, who knows, right? Now, you're quite right in saying that the minister did identify 139 aged and poorly maintained properties, but obviously no specific examples or areas were ever mentioned so if we look across Klang Valley, which areas do you think is prime for an urban renewal project? Uh, okay, Mark, I need your help here to clarify. When you say urban renewal, you are talking about individually owned property or the big scale property like KL Central? Well, let's start off with the big scale one. So I think we've got some good examples like KL Central Brickfields and obviously KLCC. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure whether we actually have on the table right now pending projects. But let's talk about KL Central, for instance. You would recall that not too long ago, the minister actually said that they are going to redevelop the station in KL Central in itself. So actually, there's a lot of ongoing uh, development within the redevelopment areas that we should actually look at. 
Right, and I think the recent news announcements is that they want to develop Kel Central into a bigger master transportation hub. Yep, correct. All of us know that, you know, one of the challenges in Kel Central is the lack of parking. You know, so in that sense, not a lot of thought would have gone into the planning of Kale Central. You know, that brings us to the point that, you know, whatever that we aspire to do, the strategic planning is really key. And uh, it's not talking about planning for today, it's planning for tomorrow. You know, we are talking about sustainability, we are talking about future-proving these projects. And that takes a really strategic and holistic planning of any project that we attempt to take on. Now, sticking on the theme of government housing projects, right? Let's, yep. let's turn our attention to the government social housing projects because in my mind, a very good example would be that DBKL, the Perkelinging Flats. Yep. I would imagine if I was the minister, that would be my first priority in terms of an inner city regeneration project. Uh, Mark, if you notice, and I'm sure you would have noticed, this is one subject that not many politicians would talk about because there's going to be a lot of backlash. Because when you talk about any form of urban uh, redevelopment, there will be disruption to lives. There will be inconvenience caused to a lot of people, displacement even, you know. So, And that's not very good for votes, right? So I'm, I'm not sure whether or not we have the political will to do it. If we do, wow, great for Malaysia, you know. But there's obviously a huge demand for government social housing projects, yes, right? And, and correct. If we, you know, in my mind, when I when I say, you know, we look at these old dilapidated buildings, I mean, it's, it is really these social housing projects that comes to my mind. Correct. And if we could find a way to make it a healthier uh, living conditions for the, for the ultra B40 segment, I'm correct. sure that would win some votes. Correct. Definitely. But it needs a lot of buy-in, you know. Mm. So in any form of redevelopment, communication is key. Right. You know, and communication is not like one time go to the station and make a statement. That's not it. It takes a lot of hard work and it's something that is ongoing. Perhaps, you know, one of the ways that we can immediately look at the, how we can improve the condition of living of this uh, B40s in, in the heart of the, the city is consider improving the state of the buildings that they're not now in. You know, look at the property management, the maintenance. I think that's crucial and that can be done very quickly. Right, making yep. sure the lifts are working, yes. you know. Yes, and again, you know, it needs a lot of education. Community living is not simple, mm. especially when we are confronted with so much stresses out there. Now, one of those areas that always seems to crop up now and then in terms of a major redevelopment project is obviously our very own Kampung Baru. Yep, so what, what's really going on in there? Now? And actually, how can the government work with the stakeholders there to really, you know, regenerate that part of town? Um, well, Kampung Baru is a very interesting, uh, very sexy property story, actually, because it is nostalgic and yet it's in the heart of town. I mean, from Kampung Baru, you look up, you can see the Twin Towers. It's amazing, you know, and yet you, you still live in like Kampung-like environment. The problem with Kampung Baru redevelopment is because of the fragmented ownership of the land. So that is very, very difficult. It's, can you imagine uh, you have, you're dealing with like tens or, or even hundreds of owners of a piece of land? Can you even locate them in the first place? Let alone getting all of them to sit at a table and have a decent conversation and agree on, on everything. So that is one of the issues. I don't think the government has given up hope on that. But nevertheless, it's not going to be easy. Mm. Yeah, Kampung Baru as it is now will remain the way it is for a long time yet, I feel. 
what can Malaysia learn from inner city redevelopment projects that have taken place across the world? For example, Docklands in Melbourne, I think the 798 Art Zone in Beijing or the High Line in New York City. What can we learn from other countries who have successfully regenerated their inner city ghettos, for lack of a better word? Okay, very interesting. You know, all the three projects that you've mentioned, Docklands in Melbourne and the 798 Art District in Beijing as well as the High Line, you're right? These are all government-led projects, right? Yes, as opposed to individually-owned property development. But nevertheless, what I could gather from the... Uh, it is important to be very specific and be very sure of the objective of the project. You know why you're doing it. I, I think that's key, not why don't we do it. And the engagement of the stakeholders is important. Communication is important. Uh, let, let's look at India, for instance, I think India, there are a lot of success and failure stories as well on redevelopment in different parts of India. And obviously, one of the main reasons for failures in those cases that fail is because there's no buy-in from the community. The community didn't feel that it's for them. So that caused a lot of pushback. So if the community is not convinced, right, I mean, how can such a project be successful in the true sense of the word. So I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's objective and redevelopment with the community at large in mind and be real. I think that's key. On the property show this morning is Ao Fong Yi, editor emeritus, The Edge. When we come back from the break, we will look at the frameworks and the benefits and the risks that the local community can enjoy from urban redevelopment. This is BFM 89.9. Welcome back to The Property Show, where we have Ao Fong Yi, Editor Emeritus, The Edge. Before the break, we looked at urban renewal development and all the case studies that happens in Malaysia and around the world. Now, Fong Yi, you mentioned community engagement as a very critical thing that's required. And I totally agree with you. So what frameworks should be in place to ensure urban redevelopment is a win-win for all parties and notably to take into consideration the needs of the existing community that we talk so passionately about? Yep, Mark, I think, you know, for me, what is important is the intention. The intention of this whole project, be it something that's uh, being uh, initiated by the government or even the private sector or, or jointly, for instance, right? I think the... How genuine is the intention is important and that must and that need to be communicated to the community. Because a lot of time, you know, when there's a lack information flow, right, all kinds of like perception comes into play and that's not good. So what is important is communication and transparency, of course. Because uh, once there's transparency and, and if there's a, a two-way, you know, flow in uh, communication, I think that solves half the problem. Of course, uh, we have to admit that, you know, in any form of redevelopment or any development for that uh, matter, right, not everybody's going to be happy. So it's a tough call, but uh, this is where the transparency and the communication comes in because everything needs to be weighed and needs to be explained and communicated. Well, I suppose as part of the transparency, obviously the local town councils or even the federal government, we need to ensure that proper planning guidelines are there and obviously followed by the respective stakeholders. And also, I suppose the other part is, you know, as part of this urban redevelopment, we should also look into preserving certain heritage and the cultural identity of that local place. But I think what we need is obviously proper planning guidelines, zoning and regulations to make sure this project is, like you rightfully say, a win-win situation. Yeah, absolutely agreed, you know, 100% mark. But this is not something that's easy, easily achievable. It takes a lot of sincerity and 
again, you know, back to transparency. You know why we are doing this, you know, why we are keeping this. But we all know, right, uh, preserving culture, preserving uh, heritage, it comes with a cost, right? I mean, put yourself in the shoe of an owner of that piece of property. Are you willing to sacrifice it in the name of preservation of culture or, or what have we? So, what happens, right? I feel that you know this is where the government must come in. Uh, it is not okay to put the whole pressure on on the owner. You know, the government should shoulder that. How it can be worked out, uh, that is left to be seen. But it's not something that you know should be uh, again, you know, pass uh, on back to the owner. Yeah, just because I own a, a building that's like you know too good to be torn down. You know, you please compensate me for that, mm. right? So when you go into a particular area mm. uh, to convince the people that an urban renewal project is required, what kind of benefits can we use to convince the local community to get the buy-in from them? Yep. You know, some, some members of the local community uh, will probably, you know, you can uh, probably be able to convince them with facts and figures. But, you know, uh, the reality is that there'll be some that you'll never be able to convince lah for whatever reasons, you know. I'm not saying that that's bad, you know, but but that's how it is, right? So uh, I think facts and figures are important. You know, studies are important and uh, we've got to be open with whatever studies that we have done. And at the end of the day, then, you know, the government just have to make a call in the best interest of the community. Uh, For instance, you know, once you redevelop an area, definitely the social and economic activities should improve. Right, you are actually revaluing uh, the the potential of the footprint that you are talking about, and that's important. Of of course, you know there are always people who say that, hey, why are you touching these buildings? You know, move lah. We've got so so you know so much land out there, but why? I mean, you know, why are we not tackling you know land that we have already you know developed? You know, why are we uh, going out there to like cut down more trees? You know, it just doesn't make sense, you know. Sometimes whatever that we we, we, we we kind of like argue, right? You know, sometimes you sit back and think that, hey, that's doesn't really make sense, you know. No, and some of these buildings that I can comes to mind, they're very old, they're very dilapidated, they're very neglected, and actually sometimes the occupancy rate in those buildings are also very low because it's in such a rundown condition, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But then you will always find, you know, some owners there for sentimental reasons. Uh, or, or, or something like that, they will never move because number one, they don't need the money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two is that they've been there the whole life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm so comfortable. I'm so familiar. I'm not going to move. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So you're right. You know, no way anybody can get a hundred percent. But I think to me, the one of the key benefits, obviously, besides the economic multiplier, rejuvenation of the local community, is obviously turning some of these buildings from brown to green, yep. right, to make it more sustainable yep. and healthier. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the risk side of urban redevelopment, um, naturally, there are certain risks, right? The, yes. the, the local heritage of the community may be at jeopardy. Sure. And we don't want it turning into some sort of a higher density plot ratio so that developers mm. can make more money, right? Mm. But from your opinion, what other risks do we face when we do these kind of projects? Like you rightly pointed out, uh, Mark, I think infrastructure is key, right? The traffic flow, for instance, is important. Yeah, uh, and don't forget, you know, when you tear down uh, a building in in the heart of the city, that's going to cause a lot of disruption, 
And we are talking about, you know, uh, exercise that can easily take three to four or even five years, you know. That's going to cause a lot of disruption. So whatever it is, uh, the strategic and holistic planning is important, you know, to cater for all these inconveniences uh, to start with, number one. But, you know, let's look at the positive side of uh, uh, giving a, a second lease of life to uh, old and dilapidated building, right? Uh, it does do a lot, you know, to a city, you know. I, I think the word is not so much aesthetics. Aesthetics is important. But to me, you know, sustainability is, is key. You know, because when we look at the buildings that we have in our midst, not many, most of them, in fact, they were not built for sustainability, mm. right? You know, and, and that's something that we need to talk about. So when we have these new buildings coming up, you know, we can actually, you know, house and, and, and cater for all of that. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Right. I suppose the other concern I have is, you know, you also don't want it turning out to be an oversupply, overhang issue because we do have that problem in Malaysia where we have so many, uh, whether it's residential or office blocks, that's just sitting empty in, in downtown, right? And mm. the other thing, obviously, is when you redevelop these properties, we shouldn't be marginalising and, and excluding the lower income households. It is different for, for every development. Mm. You know, it, it's not uh, one size that fits all. You know, definitely. Uh, so, that's where the fun is, right? Mm. You know, yeah. Uh, every project is is different. Again, you know, it, it's not something that uh, cuts across. It's good, it's bad. You know, who will be marginalised, who will benefit. It's not so simple. Mm. Yeah. I think it still goes back to the local community in yes. that area. So there'll be Correct. certain communities with a bit more high-end and there'll be certain communities yeah. that will be... I think what is important here is the need. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to be real. Don't do things for the sake of doing it. All right. Right. And make sure there's a demand for it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there is a concept out there called the smart city. Sure. Right? And somehow or other, when we talk about inner city redevelopment or renewal projects, it's all intertwined because it's all interrelated. Could you help us understand, you know, what is the smart city movement that's happening here in Malaysia? Because I think there's certain blueprints and frameworks that's being talked about, but at very initial stages. Yeah. You know, uh, smart city, you know, uh, this, this, this was a very uh, popular description of development, maybe. Especially, I, I think in, it started, what, about a decade ago when everybody is talking about developing smart cities, smart home, everything is smart, right? But, you know, honestly, if you dive in a little bit, what is a smart city? What is a smart home? You know, smart home, a lot of people would, would uh, associate it with, you know, a property that, have, that has access to ICT, mm -hmm. you know, and you have a lot of gadgets, you know, uh, the IoT of things, right? Uh, I mean, you know, you're on your way home, right? You can just... Switch uh, on your aircon. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so there's a lot of conveniences. So it, 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 it's a sexy story. Right. It sells, lah. It sells properties. Uh, it sells, okay, it sells. But right now, I think, you know, over time and uh, with good reason, smart city are quickly evolving into what we call a sustainable city. I think that's that's uh, more appropriate, you know. Uh, what we don't want is something that works today and doesn't work tomorrow. Mm. You know, we're talking about smart city. Is it very green? I don't know. I right. really don't know. No, because like you rightfully said, you know, the concept of smart city is very much IT related. Yeah, yeah. And it's not so much green tech exactly. sustainability related. Exactly, you know. So, you know, I, I, I'm... Inclined to think that you know this tagging about you know smart cities, smart home is losing its luster. Mm. You know now it's about green. All right. 
Well, on the property show this morning is our Fungi, editor emeritus The Age. This is BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.